Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This was never supposed to happen again. The persecution of Jews out in the open in this country, subjecting them to violent assault based on their faith. This is incredible, it is disgusting, and too few people are talking about it. Jews are being persecuted because of their faith, and mostly by people who are sympathetic to a terrorist organization, Hamas. This is happening across the country. some dysfunctional faraway place. This is New York City, actually just a few blocks from where I live. This is happening. Also, this happened last night and nobody seemed to care. A small bomb detonated in the middle of what we call the Diamond District, where about 97% of the employees are Jewish. And not mentioned on the evening news. This is like no big deal, but it's one of the hugest things I've ever seen in my life. The open persecution of people based on their religion here in America. It's been happening all week. And maybe we have Black Lives Matter to thank for some of this because violence and rioting has been normalized, normalized. And if you're upset about something, it seems to be okay to take to the streets right in front of cops, fight it out, as long as your cause corresponds with the far left. Again, right in front of police officers. Happening also in Los Angeles. <laughs> They were running around asking people if they were Jewish, and if the answer was the wrong one, if they said they were Jewish, there was violence. And again, right in front of the police officers, back here in New York, um, they don't seem to care uh, whether cops are right there or not. Take a look. This is some of the ugliest hate imaginable, and it's somehow normalized. Actually, if you watch the mainstream media, uh, they're not mentioning any of this persecution. They just have their typical kind of 
pro-Palestinian coverage, anti-Israel coverage, but not talking about the persecution of Jews here in America. When they do mention it, uh, look how they mask it. Look how they downplay it. Look how they characterize it. And here in the U.S., news of the ceasefire has not stopped protests from getting violent. This was the scene in Times Square last night. The quiet in the Mideast replaced with violence in the U.S., pro-Israel and Palestinian groups clashing in the streets of New York City. Pro-Palestinian and Israel groups clashing. No, what's happening, Jewish people are being persecuted, assaulted because they are Jewish. These are anti-Semitic attacks. Make no mistake about it. And, you know, I've been thinking when I saw this celebration right here in New York City, and we have probably a million or so Jews here in New York when they're burning the flag. Perhaps you remember the controversy about September 11th, 2001, and whether or not pro-Palestinian people were celebrating, especially in Jersey City. Donald Trump said he saw it on the news. I watched when the World Trade Center came tumbling down. And I watched in Jersey City, New Jersey, where thousands and thousands of people were cheering as that building was coming down. Thousands of people were cheering. Now, the mainstream media, without thinking, because it's Donald Trump, immediately dismissed that. Things that we now know are totally untrue. This, this idea that there were thousands of people in New Jersey cheering uh, the death of people uh, on 9-11, it, it's, it's factually incorrect. We know this is incorrect. There have been reports saying this is incorrect. He says he saw it on television, but no video has ever surfaced. Jersey City officials say it never happened. There are no reports, no reports, and no video that matches Trump's claims. You know, I've always wondered about this one because I myself personally had not seen that. Um, but now that I've seen the images of celebration right here in New York, burning the Israeli flag, the assaults on Jewish people, um, I believe that that did happen. And there's evidence to suggest that it did happen. Now, I was not watching TV around September 11, 2001. I was actually on TV a lot. I was right in the middle of the carnage on that day and in the aftermath. But I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about what we've seen. And I remember this, that mainstream journalists were talking about that celebration uh, on 9-11, that people were happy when those towers came down, including perhaps the... Uh, <laughs> The dean of the mainstream media himself, Dan Rather. There's one report. I, this has not been confirmed, but there's several reports that there was a, a, a cell, one of these cells across the Hudson River. And they got on the, this is the report. I emphasize, I don't know this for a fact, but there's several witnesses who say this happened. They got on the roof of the building to look across. They knew what was going to happen. Yeah. They were waiting for it to happen. And when it happened, they celebrated. They, they jumped for joy. Six days after September 11th, Dan Rather. Also on a CBS local affiliate here in New York, reporter Pablo Guzman had this. What no one outside the terrorist task force knows is that just a couple of blocks away from that Jersey City apartment the FBI raided yesterday and where they had evidence removed is another apartment building. 
One that investigator told me, quote, is swarming with suspects. Suspects who I'm told were cheering on the roof when they saw the plane slam into the trade center. A police were called to the building by other neighbors and found eight men celebrating, six of them tenants in the building. Pablo, it's absolutely chilling the fact that they were sitting there waiting, watching, as if getting ready to celebrate the fact that the Twin Towers would topple. Now, I know those are only reports about something that happened and, and no video was offered, but I know that it actually is possible to remove video from the Internet forever. There are clips that I know that I have seen on television that I can't find that are not there any longer. It's possible to do that. And now that I see this violence here in the city, I believe that did happen. Donald Trump was right. And so was Dan Rather. And so was Pablo Guzman. But the administration, Joe Biden, what is he doing? Not speaking out about any of this. He's still pretending that uh, white supremacy is our big problem and has led to increased attacks on Asian people. Uh, that's not the case, but it works for them politically. Demonizing white people, that's what it's all about. The threat of white supremacy looms large. The dangers of white supremacy. Threat of white supremacy. The threat of white supremacy. What a great danger white supremacy uh, holds. You see what's happening here? We've got crowds, marauders, all over the place hurting Jewish people, and they don't care. They don't notice it. White supremacy that no one is seeing, that doesn't exist, essentially. Yes, there are some idiots out there who believe that stuff, but they're not a potent force. They are not an existential threat. This is really, really terrible. And a lot of white people of all faiths are buying right into this nonsense. The really amazing thing that I've learned is black people know the truth. They know exactly what's going on. It's white people that don't know. We don't realize sometimes, especially as a white person, how impactful, how offensive they are. As a white person, as white people, we need to listen. When it comes to race, white people need to listen more. So many white liberals so eager to put themselves, their race down uh, last summer, and so few white liberals willing to stand up for our Jewish brothers and sisters. I find that reprehensible. And these folks, the way they speak, where are they coming from? I want to show you where they're coming from, from incredible places of privilege and wealth. Pete Carroll, $30 million net worth, head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Moving on, the governor of Virginia, he's net worth $6 million. Very easy to put himself down. All right, next. That journalist, uh, Joan Walsh, $12 million. And this is fascinating to me. Uh, her, Biana Goladriga, something like that. She's married to a former Obama administration official who has a big job in finance. They're worth $25 million. Right now in America, the unthinkable is happening, and we have to do everything we can to stop it. And for starters, we can't stop talking about it. I'll be right back. Real conflict, real threats, real heart. 
Now, there's a place America gets its news. Newsmax, we're real news for real people. Millions are turning off the old channels and switching to Newsmax, the fastest growing cable news channel in America. No agenda, no spin, just the facts. Millions watch us, so can you. Newsmax, we're real news for real people. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? All right. And, uh, ooh, they're, they're not getting it. It is so, so obvious, especially lately. Look at this. An exclusive interview with... The uh, mayor of Seattle, whoever that is. Um, and it was uh, particularly lame. I think when history's written, they'll say that Seattle got it right. We are a city that believes in science. We believed in masking and vaccination and testing. Where are you right now in your vaccinations? All right. Very, very boring. But here's what got my attention, actually. It's an exclusive. It's an exclusive. The fake news, they love to do this, all right? An exclusive interview uh, was, yeah, Lester is by himself. I guess she's there exclusively. They're not seeing any other people at the moment. But was there a big, long line of uh, folks waiting to interview the mayor of Seattle at that? I don't know. I don't know. And uh, I checked. He didn't ask her about the Chaz. Remember the Chaz? I still think that's worthy of inquiry. That mess, that silly thing that she jokingly called uh, what is it? It's going to be a summer of love inside the Chaz. Ridiculous. All right. Also on my list tonight, Gail King. Once again, Gail King and Dr. Fauci, the fake news's favorite. So in order to just cover the waterfront, they say, if you're going to come into my establishment, wear a mask. Under those circumstances, even though you are vaccinated, you should abide by what the person yeah. says who owns that establishment. I okay. certainly do that. All right. So yeah. we cleared that up. That's not so confusing to me. But I am worried about the honor system. I may trust me and the people at this table, but it's all people out there. I'm not so sure about them. So I'm very, very worried about that. Uh, people out there. I'm not so sure about them. That's the audience. That's us. That's you. That's me. The people at the table, her and two guys. That's who she trusts. And that kind of actually is very emblematic of the media. Uh, they're into each other, not so much us. And that's fine. Ooh, Harry and Meghan. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of sick of them, too. Uh, but I think I might have some advice for Harry that could help. Anyway, he's doing yet another TV show for a guy who ran away from the media. He just can't stop talking about uh, his family and his problems. And uh, anyway, listen to this. I'm feeling sorry for her, but I'm also really angry with myself that we're stuck in this situation. I was ashamed that it got this bad. I was ashamed to go to my family. Because to be honest with you, like a lot of other people my age could probably relate to, I know that I'm not going to get from my family what I need. Get from his family what, uh, whatever happened a stiff upper lip, huh? And every time I listen to him summarize his problems and the way he talks about his family, I do think that, quite frankly, he could benefit from talking to the bishop who married him. He seemed like a nice guy, very wise, and... He has a great book I think he could share with Harry. But uh, in the meantime, if he doesn't want to do that, he could watch a great movie. 
Who remembers Arthur with Dudley Moore? This is one of my favorites. So Dudley Moore is his billionaire. He's got it all, but he drinks too much. And uh, after he drove his sports car, he was feeling terribly sorry for himself. But he had a very wise man, his butler, Hobson. Um, and he gave him some great advice. What do I have to live for? I mean, I'm a failure at everything I do. I'm just in everyone's way. Would you remove your helmet, please? Why? Please. Thank you. Now your goggles. Why? Please. Thank you. You spoiled little You're a man who has everything, haven't you? But that's not enough. You feel unloved, Arthur. Welcome to the world. Everyone is unloved. Now stop feeling sorry for yourself, and incidentally, I love you. That's a beautiful moment. Um, stop feeling sorry for yourself, Harry. And there's love in that family. I know there is, okay? Check out Arthur if you don't want to check out the Bible. All right, then there's this. Black lives do matter, not the way the Black Lives Matter organization and leadership thinks. They only seem to care when a black life is taken by a white cop. But black lives do matter. Of course they do. All lives matter. Especially 27-year-old Tamika Haynes, shot and killed while she sat in her car. Gunfire erupted from a nearby brawl involving at least eight women. It happened in the middle of the day, uh, Tuesday, in Hemet, California, about 70 miles southeast of Los Angeles, Tamika was struck in the head and died after being flowed, flown to a county trauma center. She was known to friends as Millie, had an eight-year-old son, and was three months pregnant with her second child. Several other people struck by bullets. All the others survived. No arrests have been made, and the motive is not clear. We have a GoFundMe campaign that has been launched to help Haynes' family, but listen to this, please. We will definitely want to see someone held accountable for what happened to her. She was taken away from her family. A piece of us died yesterday with her. She has a lot of family. She's very loved, and we don't understand the details or anything. We don't know anything about why she was killed and why was they shooting into a crowd of innocent people. When something like this happens, there are, of course, lots of expenses, and we'll put that GoFundMe campaign page up. One more time, launched to help Haynes' family with her funeral expenses. Tamika Haynes, shot and killed while she sat in her car. She was just 27 years old, had an eight-year-old son, and again was just was three months pregnant with her second child. We'll be right back. Black lives do matter but not necessarily the way the Black Lives Matter organization says they matter. They only seem to care when a black life is taken by a white cop. But black lives do matter, including the life of 32-year-old Shalimar Burkett. Now, she was shot and killed in Brooklyn, New York on Monday night. She was attending an outdoor memorial vigil for a friend of hers who was also shot and killed. Uh, that person was attending a party on Sunday night, also in Brooklyn. He was 31-year-old Miles Bob Semple. He was shot uh, following a very minor dispute with a gang member, stepped on the wrong guy's foot. Now, someone drove by that vigil and opened fire. Shalimar was 
hit twice in the head, an innocent bystander. She was not the intended target. Now, police think the shooter may be the same shooter from the party who killed Bob Semple. Uh, no arrests have been made. Uh, family says that they need the police here. And Burkett's mother also lost a son to gun violence three years ago. We are joined by her right now, Patricia Hamilton, that is Shalimar Burkett's mother, along with Harriet Hines, Shalimar Burkett's cousin. Welcome to you both. So sorry for your loss. Um, Mrs. Hamilton, first to you. How are, how are you doing? I know this is a terrible, terrible time. This just happened on Monday. I feel terrible. Uh, and you must be, I know you're going through so much. But Miss um, Hamilton, if you don't mind, Patricia, could you tell us a little bit about Shalimar? What was she like? And um, yeah. She was For a those- happy, she was a happy, happy. She always smiling. She always around her sisters, her friends. She always the life of the party. She's someone to get along with. She, she, I have words to say about Shelly. And she was so the mother much. of, she had two children herself? Yes. No drama. No drama. She never get in trouble with nobody. She had no enemies out there. Nothing. And Patricia, and mm-hmm. this is, uh, this is tough. This is unbelievable, but you lost a son to gun violence? Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell us about him, please. Did. What happened there? Nobody did. The, the, the cops never really did anything to the case. He got into a, to a fight, and then when he was leaving to tell his friends he's going home, that's when the guy shot him five times. You say the police didn't do anything in that case. Um, they never went to the, to the um, houses around there to look at the cameras where they could have seen whatever goal went on. How do you feel, though, about the police overall? I feel like um, perhaps, you know, here in New York, they've been marginalized, they've been vilified and kind of pushed to the side, sometimes by the mayor himself. And you've heard of defund the police. Do you think police officers could have helped Shalimar? Yeah, we need more police, better police officers. More police and you say better police officers. Yes. Mm-hmm. How do you feel when you hear people talk about defunding the police? You can't have better police and more police with uh, that movement. But you want more police and you want better police. You yes. can't have that. You can't have that if this defund the police movement goes much further. Harriet, tell me more um, about your cousin, if you can. And what the community is saying in the aftermath of this, I mean, this happened at a vigil for someone else who was shot and killed by gun violence. And this violence is not coming from the police. It's coming from people in the community, which is uh, disturbing, but it's true. Uh, Harriet, what are your thoughts, please? Okay, well, in terms of my cousin's personality, um, she was... A loving person. I mean, she had a fierce love for family and a fierce love for friends. I mean, if you were her friend, it was like she was loyal and she loved you to the end. Her children were her world. And uh, 
I definitely know that you know they're gonna uh, miss her presence. Um, I believe that we do need more police presence. Um, black lives do matter, and it should not only matter when it comes to uh, white cops killing black people, it should also matter within the black community. Black on black crime is extremely prevalent. We need uh, police in our community to help solve crimes. However, I will say what we don't need is like police um, stopping and frisking people, uh, you know, to stereo, you know, using stereotypes to um, harass them. And what, what, what needs to happen is that police need to build better relations with uh, the people in their community. But um, we can't have a city, we can't have a nation full of lawlessness. There has to be law and order in our city and in our nation. We definitely do need police to solve crimes. I'm just gonna re reiterate that again. We need police to solve crimes. Solve crimes and perhaps prevent them as well. Now, you mentioned- Yes, definitely. Right, and, and I'm curious, like, how long have you lived in New York? Oh, all my life. I've been here for a good, except for when I left when I was in the military, I've been here uh, my entire life as well. You know, I didn't feel this tension between the cops and the people until really over the maybe past few years, six, seven years. That's when it really intensified uh, for some reason. But I feel like growing up, it wasn't like this. How do you feel? Well, okay, I'm gonna tell you, as a as a, a black person in America, there's always been some type of tension between, uh, you know, minority people and police. However, I believe that a lot of that can um, can be quelled down, you know, due to education, everyone respecting everyone's uh, race, you know, ethnicity, origin, you know, just having a mutual respect and love for one, you know, for one another, you know, in our world. Uh, I don't believe defunding the police is is the uh, solution. I believe that certain funds in the budget can be allocated to like more stringent hiring methods, uh, more mental health assessments, more mental health services, uh, sensitivity training. I mean, you know, and pro, you know, in in, in, pro, in programs to promote. Uh, Community, harmony within the community. Uh, but we definitely, you know, definitely need the NYPD. So folks, uh, I know when, when you lose someone and you're not expecting it, no one expects to lose a 32-year-old mother of two children. How old were those kids, by the way? Uh, Patricia, please. 11 and 10. Boy and girl? Boy, the 11-year-old boy, Makai, and the 10-year-old Malik. There are so many expenses and things that arise uh, when something. And also, and also, my son has um, a four-year-old daughter. A four-year-old daughter, your son, who you love. Yeah, my son. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we're putting up a uh, a GoFundMe page that's been set up in her honor and to assist the family during this uh, Shalomar get justice for eternal peace, and we certainly want this to be solved, uh, Patricia. Hamilton, yes. Shalimar Burkett's mother, I am so sorry for your loss. Let's stay in touch. I don't know what I can do, but if I, if there's anything you think of, please. And Harriet Hines, Shalimar's cousin, so sorry. Thank you for saying what you said. And uh, again, you have friends here at Newsmax, and uh, we're so sorry. 
for what happened to Shalimar. Shalimar Burkett, just 32 years old. We'll be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. This was the most violent and destructive uh, assault on the Capitol, breaching of the Capitol, since the War of 1812. The U.S. Capitol suffered its worst security breach since the War of 1812. Nobody's attacked Congress since 1812. It was the worst attack on the Capitol since the War of 1812. Talk about talking points. Talking points that are wrong, by the way. Yeah, January 6th was a bad day. Remember, a Trump supporter, an unarmed Trump supporter, Ashley Babbitt, was killed that day. But the worst day since 1812? Not true. Plenty of bad things happened at the Capitol over the years. I'm going to pick one of them just for starters right now. In 1954, five members of Congress were shot inside the House of Representatives. They were shot by a... Puerto Rican national a terrorist inside the House of Representatives uh, shot from the gallery. Uh, the, yeah, right there at the top. The, those are the, uh, the trajectories. It was incredible, yet also incredible. The fake news is distortions and lies about January 6th. I'd like to bring in our panel. Craig Shirley, presidential historian, Reagan biographer. Welcome back. And Doug Weed, presidential historian, former advisor to President George H.W. Bush, Welcome, gentlemen. Um, Craig, the mainstream media, they have very little sense of history. And uh, this is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, when they say that, it's over the top and wrong. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. It, it, they all got the same memo, all re re repeating the same lie. As, as a matter of fact, there have been many attacks at the U.S. Capitol over the years, uh, not just the British sacking of the Capitol, uh, in the War of 1812, but uh, for instance, uh, there were 70 some attacks uh, in the years leading up to the Civil War on members of Congress uh, over the issue of slavery. There was uh, the Weather Underground detonated a bomb which caused a half uh, damage uh, in 1970. Uh, so there have been many, many attacks on the U.S. Capitol. And by the way, if they're going to do a commission, on uh, th this event, then they should do it and expand it to include all political violence, including that caused by BLM and Antifa, and call it the Commission on Political Violence and investigate why uh, one or two billion dollars worth of damage was caused in American cities by by liberal activists. Uh, another incident, uh, more recent, 1998, a lunatic, anti-government lunatic, went into the Capitol building killed two officers, a detective, a Capitol Hill police officer, Detective uh, John Gibson, and Officer Jacob Chestnut shot and killed inside the Capitol building. This is worse than anything that happened on, uh, on January 6th. It is. Just look yes. at the numbers. And Brian Sicknick, hero cop that he is, died of natural causes, or that he was, after the event. Um, so, Doug... Your thoughts on the distortion and also, yeah, what about a commission? I mean, a commission would be good, but I guess the commission they've come up with is way, way skewed. 
Yeah, you know, my colleague here, Craig Shirley, did a documentary, Greg, on 1968. And I was here in Washington, D.C. in 1968 with my homemade, my little camera, taking pictures. There were tanks all over the street. The city had practically burned to the ground. There were riots in 140 cities across America with neighborhoods that burned to the ground. So, no, this was not the worst moment of insurrection in American history since the Civil War. There were many even in my lifetime. But the point I wanted to make, Greg, was this. They know that. They know that. They're not stupid. Yes. They still persist in saying it. This is something that Marxism does. And you've heard me say several times on your show, refer to the dystopian novel 1984 by George Orwell, where the protagonist is brought in a little room and he's grilled. And he said two plus two equals five. And he's forced to repeat this and say it, even though he knows it isn't true, because this is the nature of communism and socialism. They want to force the lie and they want you to believe the lie and repeat the lie. No. That's part of the process. Amazing. You know, I think some know it's a lie, but some don't. Some have been fooled. And the smugness in how they repeat this stuff. I'd like to move now to the anti-Semitic uh, attacks that are happening in plain sight, right on the streets of American cities. Something I thought I would never see so open, so systemic really in new york city we see it in los angeles we see it this is happening this is real the media don't seem to really care uh police departments are trying to do what they can but some of this stuff weirdly has been normalized by black lives matter last summer craig what do you think and this to me is extremely troubling indicates that we could be in for some really really dark times you know greg i can't believe sometimes that we're in the 21st century with the way uh, members of the Jewish faith are being treated on the streets of the, uh, the cities of, uh, of, of, of America. This is, it's appalling. It's disgusting. And I thought we were beyond all this. I thought we were, we were at a point now where maybe we started judging people. But we're actually going backwards. Uh, this is obviously about, you know, taking up the Hamas's cause versus Israel. And it's being it's being extended here in the United States, and what what it's shaking down to it's like everything is political, and you have Republicans who are want to defend Israel, uh, want to arm Israel, want to help Israel, want to defend Israel, and Democrats and liberals who take up the cause of Hamas for for some odd reason, even though they just fired almost five thousand rockets into Israel in uh, unprovoked. Uh, attack on Israel and Israel's uh, citizens. It's, it's truly appalling. And the media don't want to pursue it. I don't know why. They're barely paying any attention to the strife in this country that's really no. happening. To be continued, gentlemen, to be sure. Thank you, Doug Weed, Craig Shirley. Uh, good to see you. Have a great weekend. i got to go to Stinchfield now. He's been standing by with a special preview of his program. Hello, Stinch. Well, what do you say, Greg? You know, uh, Joe Biden yesterday had some, to me, disturbing comments that prove, Greg, he has a total different viewpoint of America, and specifically American exceptionalism. So on the program, I'm going to play the comments that he made that I think are flat-out proof. This guy, our president, doesn't believe in American exceptionalism, Greg. And America is an exceptional place. It's uh, very, very special. And Obama certainly didn't There's believe no other it. place on earth, Greg. 
And there's no other place on earth. Where else are you going to go? There's no other place you can escape to for freedom other than this country. Well, maybe he wants to change it into an unexceptional place. And uh, he seems mm -hmm. to be making strides. Thank you for doing that. And we'll be watching Grand Stinchfield. All the best. And we'll be right back. Is this uh, Vice President Biden's campaign headquarters? Yeah, I'd like to speak to uh, Vice President Biden. My name's Nick Searcy. I am a documentary filmmaker. I'm making a movie about God and America. Is, uh, is Joe there? Do you know where he is? Does he know where he is? Does he know where he is? That's a great question. You just saw the actor Nick Searcy. He'll be appearing also in a movie about Ronald Reagan, appropriately entitled Reagan. It will be released Next year, uh, Nick Searcy, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? I'm doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me. Dennis Quaid let me borrow the hat he wore in that uh, Reagan shot. So, <laughs> no kidding. Uh, no kidding. Hey, first about the documentary, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. Uh, that was quite a moment. Uh, tell us a little bit about that project, if you don't mind. And were you really on the phone with Joe Biden's office? Yeah, well, I, I tried to be. Uh, we, we actually did try to call a lot of people in Congress to ask them to be in the film. A few of them did it. But, uh, yeah, it's a movie about the, the relationship between the Bible and the Constitution and how the relationship between God and America has changed over the years and basically how we wound up in the, in the state that we're in now. And uh, it's, it's, it's a very serious look at that issue, but it's also, uh, it's also got some laughs in it, too. There's some humor that... Uh, We'll keep the kids engaged and that sort of thing. Excellent, excellent. Well, you can go see it at SalemNow.com. Uh, but this is a major motion picture coming out next year. Reagan, uh, Dennis Quaid plays Ronald Reagan. You play a major figure as well, James Baker, who I think had two big jobs um, uh, under Ronald Reagan, chief of staff and also treasury secretary. Um, did you ever meet him? How'd you get into that? No, I didn't meet uh, Mr. Baker, but uh, I read his book and uh, I was really glad. I was excited that Mr. Baker had all his hair huh. because I got to wear a really great wig in that movie. And, uh, you know, it was just it's an honor to be part of this project. It's it's a it's a really great film about Reagan. And uh, and James Baker was a very important part of his administration, even though. Uh, you know, he was a he was a Ford guy. He 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 campaigned with the uh, with uh, Ford against Reagan. So yeah, it was interesting. Um, and 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 he was a great friend of George H. W. Bush and was very close to him as well. They say this is the guy who ran Washington. But hey, we have a clip from the movie. It's kind of a unique clip, though. It's a behind the scenes scenes clip of it still in production. Uh, but oh. let's take a look, and I think we see Dennis Quaid as president. Uh, walking down a hallway and uh, being president. It's pretty cool. Uh, so is this thing in the in the can? Is this uh, being edited now? What's the status? As far as I know, they're in the editing process. Uh, I haven't been in touch with them in a while because I already completed my part, and I'm, I'm sort of uh, on to the next thing with the, another documentary. And uh, uh, you know, it's it's. But I'm pretty sure that they are in the editing phase now, and uh, 
looking forward to getting the movie out early next year. Well, you look like James Baker. You really do. So you're perfectly cast, and uh, we look forward to it uh, very much. And uh, by the way, you happen to be in one of my favorite film projects ever, uh, From Earth to the Moon. And oh, I yeah. believe you played Deke Slayton. We got a picture of that. This was an incredibly well-done series. And I even know that the shirt you're wearing there, it's a short sleeve turtleneck. I mean, that's the kind of shirt Deke Slayton wore. If you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit about the attention to detail on that show? And, and, and for the viewers, who is Deke Slayton? Well, Deke Slayton was one of the original uh, astronauts who was grounded due to a heart murmur, and he became, he became sort of the head of operations, and he was in charge of selecting the crews for each mission. And he finally did get to fly in Apollo 18, the Soyuz Apollo mission, but uh, just a, a really, really wonderful character, uh, you know, a great man in real life and an honor to play him. And another great wig. That was a great wig, the Deke Slayton wig, probably my favorite wig of all time in every and in any movie I've done. Oh, that was interesting. You know, I was wondering about the hairline. I got one of those too. It goes way back. So okay. So listen, you've been in a lot you've been in Hollywood for a long time, justified, great series. Um I get this sense that you might lean to the right politically just a little bit. Um is that something that could disrupt a Hollywood career from time to time or maybe, you know, not give you entree into the right parties and meeting the right people? Well, it's certainly something that, uh, you know, is, is uh, I'm, I'm asked that a lot. I mean, I, I it, it may be, I don't know. I, I try not to pay too much attention to it. The joke I usually make is that, I, you know, I'm working enough as it is. If I'm being blacklisted somewhere, that's okay. I, I, I want to work less as I get older, not more. Well, you've done extremely well. And back to Ronald Reagan, uh, you know what, we... <laughs> I personally cherish him, and it looks like this movie is going to do him justice. There, there were a lot of cheap shot movies over the years that I didn't quite care for. Uh, I thought that this is a great moment. You made the phone call to Joe Biden. I want to show you and the people this. This is Ronald Reagan making a, uh, a, a joke at the Navy's expense, but it's good-natured at the Coast Guard Academy about 31 years ago, 32 or 33 years ago. Take a look. My Coast Guard aides have been excellent. One of them taught me that, and I quote, the Coast Guard is that hard nucleus about which the Navy forms in time of war. You know, he seemed to so appreciate the crowd. This is an actor, great communicator, and uh, he just, he nailed that line, didn't he? Yeah, he got the joke right. That's why they responded. Joe, Joe Biden tried to tell that same joke a couple of days ago, and he, he botched it, and nobody knew what he was talking about, as usual. And so, you know, it's like he, he, did, he didn't do the joke right. Reagan was an actor. He was able to deliver a line the right way. Well, so are you. Uh, Nick Searcy, uh, so good to meet you. Congratulations on the new film. Uh, Reagan will be looking for it. Unfortunately, we got to wait until next year, but that's okay. Uh, and as we say goodbye, we'll take a look at Joe Biden totally blowing it and uh, proving that he's no Ronald Reagan. Take care, sir. Thank you. I can only assume that you will enjoy educating your family about how the Coast Guard is, quote, the hard nucleus around the Navy forms in times of war. You are quite, you're a really dull class. I mean, come on, man. Is the sun getting to you?
I would think you'd have an opportunity when I say that about the Navy to clap, but being here together. This is the movie that I want Prince Harry, formerly known as Prince, I guess, to watch. It's called Arthur. Uh, Dudley Moore, John Gilgood is his butler, tries to literally smack some sense into uh, Arthur, who's kind of like a royal. He's got everything in life, but he's unhappy, and his butler tries to straighten him out. It's beautiful. Liza Minnelli, too. Folks, thank you so much for your support. Have a great weekend. Stand by for Cinchfield.